You know, God is not the author of confusion. And, and the verse we just read before there says that every strife, every aspect of evil takes place in confusion. So when confusion exists, the devil's running rampant. Every evil thing is taking place. That's what it says. That's what the word says. So confusion comes from what? It comes from disorder. It comes from being out of order. It comes from being out of its proper place where it's supposed to be. What's this got to do with understanding? Because, guys, if we don't seek understanding, we slip into confusion. Understanding confusion. You got that? Understanding confusion. There are two sides. There are two sides. God says, seek wisdom, and with wisdom, find understanding. So that means it's something you can grab onto. It's something you can get. It's something you can take. It's something you can learn. It's something that's there. Understanding. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest. Let's talk about that. Wow. Those out there on Facebook... Sorry, getting all these wires off me. I, I discovered I turn around on stage a lot. I, I looked over here and this thing was wound up tighter than a drum. But praise God. Today, I want to just say thank you. Uh, it's been a great opportunity. Pastor Tim and Jewel are, are uh, busy and tied up and aren't able to be here. And he called and said, could you do something? I'm sure. Always ready. And Pastor Ray, good to see you, man. Yeah. We had, a, uh, we had a great time Friday night and Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Sorry, I've just been in bread with me since about 1999. So uh, we had about 55 guys here from all around the state. Uh, some awesome speakers. I think the, the, the quote that we all left with, and if you guys can get this in your hearts, listen to this quote says, Jesus, you ready? Jesus is a better Savior than we are sinners. Can you grab hold of that? Jesus is a better Savior than we are sinners. Man, I, you know, there's times I look around, I'm going, oh, Lord, I'm a pretty good sinner. And Jesus goes, I've already taken care of that. Uh, yeah, I already took care of that one, too. Uh, yep, I already took care of that one, too. What are you worried about, Dan? I, I got them all covered. Yep, yep. So, anyway, today I thought I'd, I'd uh, talk about 
something that's really been on my heart a lot. There's, there's just so much. I mean, I could just stand up here for about three hours probably, but I don't have that much time. But uh, I want to talk about understanding. And we've talked about it a little bit, and we've covered it a little bit. But, you know, reading the Proverbs, uh, if any of you aren't listening to that, you're missing something. If any of you aren't listening to uh, Dave reading the Word and Jared reading the Word and Richard reading the Word, you guys are missing something, man. Hello? Boy, it got real quiet. You're listening intently. So you're listening for understanding. Awesome. So I, I want to talk to you today about understanding. We all know that in Proverbs it talks about seek wisdom and get understanding, right? Wisdom. Wisdom, typically when you see wisdom listed in the Bible, it's usually with a capital W, which implies that it's, you know, and so it's, it's words. But I, I've been reading out of the Message Bible, and I don't know why I, I, I usually don't look at the Message Bible, but I've been studying the Message Bible recently, and I wanted to say this to you. So here's what the Proverbs 1 says. It says, these are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son. So he's declaring who he is, David's son, Israel's king. Notice that that king is with a little K. So Solomon is not acknowledging that he is a deity. He's saying, I'm just a humble king here on earth. Written down so we'll know how to live well and right. Hello? How many of us just going, I just don't know how to live today? I, you know, we've been asking the same question for the creation of man. This is nothing new under the sun here. So he's saying this is how you live well and right to understand what life means and where it's going. Yeah, interesting phrasing here, isn't it? A manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes and to give our young people a grasp on reality. Boy, do some of our young people today need a grasp on reality. And that's all you guys out there too. Okay, because he's got us all covered here. There's something here also for the seasoned men and women. And still a thing or two to experience, to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. Oh, I can't learn nothing from a woman. That's your first mistake. Amen. <laughs> Ladies, you just missed a glorious opportunity. Man. Yeah. They just missed it. Boy, I don't know. Let me, let me. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. Yeah. You know, you read the Proverbs, it tells, son, listen to the advice, the wisdom of your mother. Listen to the teaching of your fathers. And listen to the wisdom of your mothers. All right. So what's that got to do with anything? 
Well, we'll keep going here. I'll probably get through this fairly quick. The thing I've listened to as I've grown up is how we perceive understanding, how we perceive each other as brothers and sisters, as family, as whatever the case may be, that has changed over the course of our lives. Some of you that are my age, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I grew up in the Ozzie and Harriet. I think some of you are going, who's Ozzie and Harriet? You know? <laughs> Who knows who I'm talking about? All right. You guys, you guys in that fragile thing that we talked about here are the well-seasoned. Okay? We're the well-seasoned, the ones that have been here a while and seen a lot. And then we got the youth that come along and goes, I know everything. I like James Dobson when he said, you know, you, you get a, a wine-barrel or you can get a whiskey-barrel, whatever you want to get. I don't care. But, you know, you wait for that teenager, and you know, when they turn 13, you put them in the barrel. And then when they turn about 16, you seal it. And you just make sure the hole's there so they can breathe. And about the time they're 21, they're ripe and seasoned and ready to come out. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, Mom and Dad, you guys are so smart. What happened? You know, but today's life, we're missing that wine barrel or that whiskey barrel because there's a lot of kids that aren't learning that. And I can tell you this because, guys, I spent 27 years in education, public education, to boot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, give my, I give my hands to anybody that's teaching today because in the 27 years that I taught how children behave, how students behave, how they change from being respectful and kind and listening to the teacher as now curses and threats and beating up, almost. I actually had a student, the teacher left their keys on the... Her desk, student stole her keys, took her car, and stole her car in high school. It became a, a booze car. They ran from New Mexico to back into Arizona, out in the middle of the desert, and had a booze party, and they were using her car as a transport. She had no clue her car was gone. And that's just, that's just what's happening in today's society. You don't have to go far. All you got to do is turn the news on. I hate turning the news on. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just so tired and sick of seeing some of the stuff that we're seeing on TV. Uh, we already know what to expect. We as Christians already know what to expect because the Word of God says this is what's going to happen in the end times. So why are we surprised? Why are we getting upset? Why are we letting it feel like it's beating us up? You with me? Because we allow it to. We allow it to. Um, the other day, one of the guys was talking about Goliath, David and Goliath. And they said, for 40 days, Goliath threw the assaults, the verbal assaults, assaults out to the children of Israel. 40 days of listening to that trash. One day, David pops up and goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking about my God like that? David said, uh-uh, ain't happening with me. And he whacked the guy's head off with his own sword. Yeah, it was a great headshot, too. 
But what was the difference? What was the difference? Well, you know, David hadn't been there listening to the trash talk for 40 days. David walked up, saw that somebody was talking about his God unrighteously and said, uh-uh, ain't happening in my house. So how much stuff do you let come into your house? That's putting trash talk in your house. You got 40 days of trash talk going on in your house, and all of a sudden God becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, and all of a sudden the God who has never lost a battle now is losing everything in your life? Oh, that, that's, not, that's not even part of my sermon. That was free. That was a free one. You know, <laughs> James 3 13 and 18 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show. So when we're understanding, these are some things that people should see about us. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done. How? In the meekness of wisdom. Now, so many people mistake the word meekness for being like a little mouse. Right? That is not what meekness means, guys. I'm just going to let them come in and do whatever they want. Go ahead. There's this side. I'll turn this side over here. You can have this side here, too. You know, and even I'll turn around and let you. That's not what meekness means. Well, what are you laughing at, Tina? It says, meekness of wisdom. That means we've got to know, we've got to know. Bobby, Bobby, would you take care of that for me, sir? Okay. But if you, you guys that aren't at church are missing the whole thing. You need to be at church. You need, the Word of God said, send forth the call and call my children back home. Guys, I'm sending out the call and saying, you need to get back in the house. Get back in the house. We got lots of empty space. We're social distancing. Get back in the house. That was free. <laughs> but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, well, there's a clue. If you have bitter envy, guys, the word bitter is a root. Bitter is a root. That means you've got a root of envy and a root of self-seeking in your hearts. Where is it at? It's in your heart. It says... All truth comes from the heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to what you say. Listen to how you talk. Are you talking life or are you talking death? Are you talking reaching heaven or are you talking hell? Are you talking salvation or are you talking hiding? Okay, that was free too. Do not boast and lie against the truth. There you go. If you're talking anything else but truth, guys, it's a lie. Hello? If you're talking anything but truth, it's a lie. Even a half-truth, sorry to tell you this, 
A half-truth is a lie. Matter of fact, I think a half-truth is what caused Eve to eat of the fruit. Has God really said? And she quoted back some of what God said. But it was a half-truth. Don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Let me say that again. For where envy and self-seeking exist, Confusion in every evil thing. Doesn't say some. It said every evil thing. That should be things are there. How do I know that? Because it's followed by the word are, not is. (laughs) So whoever printed this version of the Bible is grammatically incorrect. That's the English teacher in me, and I'm not an English major, but hey. But the wisdom that is from above. Here we go, guys. Here we go. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. We could say in today's term, without racism without ethnic barriers, without any of that, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. <laughs> no, tongue won't say that. <laughs> hypocrisy. So when we read this thing, is first pure. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. Guys, it's from above. That means we're talking about the deity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are pure, folks. We talk about the purity of the Trinity. Peaceful. Peaceful doesn't mean walking in the lilies of the field. Oh, this is so good. This is just so good. I'm Tiny Tim right now. I know. Who knows who Tiny Tim is? Tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> now, they'll all be singing that. I got that on my brain now. Right, Ray? <laughs> I'm, good. I'm glad you guys are laughing because that's all you can do. Peaceful means God's presence is inhabiting that place. You hear that? Doesn't mean there's not going to be strife. There's not going to be some struggles. God says in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I am with you also in that, right? And when God's presence is with us, folks, it brings his peace. Not our peace, not the peace we're looking for. It brings his peace. But we want our peace. Oh, God, I want peace in the world. I want to make sure everybody's got food and all the things are done. I'm a beauty contestant now. What's your greatest desire for the world right now? Oh, that's just be world peace. 
Can, can you feel it? I feel it coming. I feel so peaceful. I get to go home to my kitchen and... Uh, it's gentle and willing to yield. I'm not mocking anybody, am I? No, I'm not doing it. Full of mercy and good fruits. I think of Sandra Bullock, you know, in that movie. What's, what do you want? I really do want world peace. <laughs> am I right? Isn't that a quote in the movie? I think that was number two, wasn't it? The second one. Good fruits, good fruits. So how do we know? We look for purity. We look for peacefulness. We look for gentleness. We look for willing to yield. That means, you know what? I don't always, I, notice the word there, I don't always have to be right. Gentlemen. We're going to talk about marriage here, <laughs> maybe, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Looking at that, for you are still cardinal, and where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not cardinal and behaving like mere men? We're not talking mere cats. That's M-I-R-E. This is M-E-R-E. Mere means nothing more or better than just men. Just plain old men. I don't know about you guys, but God didn't call me to be just a plain old man. Plain old is a tackle box. It's a city in Texas that makes the plain old tackle box. Probably done in China now. But you are still cardinal. For where there is envy, strife, and division among you, are you not then being cardinal, carnal, and behaving like mere men, behaving like you used to, behaving like the Savior hasn't made a difference in your life, behaving like Jesus doesn't exist, behaving like he never went to the cross and repented, behaving like he never reconciled you and redeemed you? We talked about redemption with the guys Monday night. And redeemed. Redeemed means to be restored completely, 100% as God originally intended it to be before the fall of Adam and Eve. I will restore you completely as it was when you walked with me and I walked with you and we saw each other and we talked face to face. And yes, we are in the peaceful garden of Eden. That's what redemption means. Being restored back to the place God meant you to be. Folks, the world needs to be redeemed. It says in the scriptures, the world groans in agony. Why? Because it wants to be redeemed, put back as it was. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. How many of you watch our world going into a major state of confusion? 
just five or six of you. Okay. The rest of you got that peaceful world. <laughs> how many of you, let me hear it. How many, come on. This is a participation mode here. How many of you see confusion going throughout all the world right now? So what's that tell you about what's going on? It's not God. This is not a God thing. Well, we also know that God, our Father God, according to what we read in the Scripture, isn't in charge of the world right now, is He? So why would you expect anything differently? Satan's been put in charge of the world by the fall of man until Jesus kind of blows that trumpet and then, it's, then he's got another part coming to him. But right now we're living in a fallen world. We're living in a state of confusion. There's about 15 states just went through my mind. Just bam, 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 bam. Yeah, we all know what we're talking about here, don't we? You know, God is not the author of confusion. And, and the verse we just read before there says that every strife, every aspect of evil takes place in confusion. So when confusion exists, the devil's running rampant. Every evil thing is taking place. That's what it says. That's what the Word says. So confusion comes from what? It comes from disorder. It comes from being out of order. It comes from being out of its proper place where it's supposed to be. What's this got to do with understanding? Because, guys, if we don't seek understanding, we slip into confusion. Understanding confusion. You got that? Let me do that again. Let me do this as a mime. Did you guys get that? Understanding, confusion. There are two sides. There are two sides. God says, seek wisdom, and with wisdom, find understanding. So that means it's something you can grab onto. It's something you can get. It's something you can take. It's something you can learn. It's something that's there. Understanding. We ask our kids at school, I need you to understand two plus two is four, not five. In today's math, two plus two is really ten. If you're counting in base five. That's confusing, isn't it? That would bring confusion. Actually, it'd be base four, not five, wouldn't it? It'd be base four, yeah. Thank you. Those mathematicians out there, thank you for correcting me. That would be a base four counting because when you hit four, then it changes and changes. You guys are going, I'm confused. <laughs> okay, that's what modern math looks like today. You know, it's just simple, two plus two, two times two. How can two plus two and two times two be the same thing? No, they are. All right. So defining understanding is to perceive the meaning of, grasp the idea of, comprehend, to be thoroughly familiar with, you guys reading this with me, apprehend clearly the character, nature, apprehend, yeah, and subtleties of, to assign a meaning to, to grasp the significance, implications, or importance of, I like that one, to grasp the significance of God's Word, to grasp the implications of God's Word, and to know the importance of God's Word, 
to perceive what is meant and grasp the information conveyed. I've talked about the Old Testament. I've talked about the New Testament. Jesus said, so Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Jesus walked around and said, guys, you're just not getting it. Are you not understanding this? Do you not yet understand that? And he went on to say a few other things. And then we look in Luke 2, 47, and it says, And they were astonished at his understanding and answers. Who are we talking about here? My Bible scholars. We're talking about Jesus explaining, but where was Jesus when this was taking place? In the temple with the, with the religious people. He was 12 years old. 12 years old had a knowledge of God and the things. And they were really astonished at what? That a 12-year-old can understand the things of God so clearly and have a 12-year-old come and teach adults who were grounded in the Word, who knew the Word probably better than any of us in this room right now, but they were astonished that a 12-year-old could come in and teach. Guys, if you don't think the enemy knows the Word and uses that against you, he does. It's the first thing he did with Eve, wasn't it? All right. So what does it mean to understand Scriptures? It means to know God's Word. How do you get to know God's Word? Guys, if you never open it up, you're not going to know it. All right? I remember the story. Remember the story of a pastor who got invited over to a house to have dinner, and he was, he was having dinner, and, and he left, and, and he walked away, and a couple, three, four months later, the people that he went and had dinners with stopped coming to church. So he called him up, and he said, what happened? And the wife goes, you stole a fork. You're a thief. You stole a fork. You with me? And the pastor goes, what do you mean I stole a fork? You stole a fork. When we cleaned up everything and we washed the dishes, I was missing the fork. I asked my husband if he knew where it was. He said, nope, I think that's the one the pastor was using. And the pastor said to him, have you opened up the Bible sitting on your dining room table? You'll find the fork in there. <laughs> I like somebody post on Facebook yesterday. I said, they said something like, uh, just carry a fork with you, and if somebody starts giving you trouble, just pour a little fork out and charge them. And I thought that was kind of funny. That's free, too. So, know God's Word. Acknowledge what His will is for what? For us. I want you to take your fingers. Take your fingers, and I want you to go right here. It said, acknowledge what His will is for 
me. What is God's will for me? I need to know that. We need to seek understanding. How do we do that? You've got to open up the Scriptures. And then he said in Luke 24, 44 through 49, he said, He said to them, These are the words that I, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. I love this next part. You notice I italicized it, underlined it. I even changed its color. And what's it say he did? He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. In the morning... How many of you get your Bible out in the morning or get your phone out in the morning or do your U version or do something? How many of you get that out? What should be the first thing you should say? Lord Jesus, open my understanding to your word today. Man, it changed the scripture of the day on me. I wanted to read that. Oh, well. This is where there's nothing hid. That's the fork which shall not be manifest, and neither was there anything kept secret. But that should come abroad. That's what Scripture I, I, have, I have on my phone. A Scripture that pops up every morning, first thing I see in the morning. Then I look down and see my beautiful, gorgeous wife. I see some ugly dude sitting next to her, and I don't know who that is. But I see her, and it's just like, oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, my understanding is unfruitful. That's talking about praying in tongues, and we'll talk about that. My understanding is unfruitful, but my spiritual understanding is not, because my spirit's the one that's praying out. Sometimes when we need that prayer, and we just don't know what to pray for, right? In the flesh, we don't know what to pray for, and God says, let your spirit pray for me. Your spirit knows what you need. It will talk to me, and we'll make sure that's taken care of, right? Second Timothy 2, 1 through 7, talks about giving understanding, give understanding in all things. So you can look that up for you if you want. In all things. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will rule in your heart. Where did we talk about it comes from? Your heart. Notice I didn't put that in there. I want to see if you guys knew that or not. All right. So now let's get to our text for today. It's right here. John 1, 5. This is in the Amplified Version. It says, the light shines on in the darkness. I'm going to stop right there. It says the light shines. It doesn't say the light shines in the darkness. It says the light shines on in the darkness. You mean you can turn that on and off? It's not that kind of on we're talking about. It means the light shines continuously on in the darkness. And the darkness did not, what? 
understand it or overpower it or appropriate it. I'm going to take this light and make it work for me. Darkness can't do that. Or absorb it. Now, I will share with you, darkness thinks it absorbs light. Don't happen. Don't happen. See, you can be in utter blackness, utter darkness, and even one candle illuminates it, changes it. Just one. I was going to have a, a visual effect right now. I was going to have the door closed, and I was going to just have all the lights just go black. Let there be light. And pretty soon if I did that, what would you guys start seeing? You'd start seeing the blue light on the speakers. You'd start seeing just all these little things, the little lights on the fire alarm, all of a sudden, wherever there's light, guess what your eyes get to get attracted to? It's going to find that. It's going to find that light. It's going to find that. God's saying, you guys got to find me because the darkness is trying to encompass you and surround you and wrap you up and envelop you in it. And God's going, uh-uh. He says, because the darkness can't understand me, won't overpower me, won't appropriate me, and it will not absorb me. Now, we're talking the light here. Who is this light we're talking about? Jesus. It's the light, Jesus. The light, Jesus. If anybody looks up and reads that, chapter, verse 1 of John says, in the beginning. Kind of sounds like Genesis a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> in the beginning. So he's talking about Jesus here. So Jesus cannot be hidden by darkness. Darkness will never figure him out. In other words, Satan will never figure out God's love. You with me on that? Satan will never figure out God's love. Satan will never figure out that I'm light. I'm love. I'm compassion. I'm mercy. I'm grace, I'm wisdom, I'm truth, I'm your healer, I'm your financial supply, I am, I am, I am. And Satan's going, I don't get it. Because he can't understand it. He can't understand it. Because he wants to be what God is. And he doesn't realize he'll never have the capacity to be what God is. He can't be because he's a created being. God is God and has always been. And it also says at the end that he's also unreceptive to it. Darkness will never be receptive to light. So why is this important? Who cares? Why do we need to do this? Why do we need to understand God? Why do we need to understand ourselves? Why do we need to understand other people? Why do we need to understand our spouse? 
our kids, our family. Does anybody have an answer to that? Or are you waiting for me to tell you? I see you're waiting for me to be the teacher and you're the students and instead of responding back correctly to me, you want me to tell you the answer. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Go find out the answer for yourself. Get in the Word. Find it out. Why do we need to understand God? Because He tells us to. That's why it's that simple. He said, seek wisdom, and with wisdom, get understanding. That's not a multiple choice question. That's not an invitation. That's a command. Do you understand that? Difference between an invitation and a command. God says, I command you this day, seek wisdom, get understanding. Throughout the whole Bible, if we can grab hold of this, then we understand who we are. I am a child of God. I am a prince. I am found, written in the book of life. I am redeemed. I am saved. I am healed. I have been purchased with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. I have been reconciled to God. I have been redeemed. I understand who I am when I know who God is in my life. If you don't know who you are, maybe you don't know who God is in your life because His Word tells you through the whole thing who you are. I am loved by God. I am in, re in relationship with the Father. I am saved by grace. Grace you often see with a capital G. I'm going to throw a little twist for you. Could grace be the proper name of the Holy Spirit? There you go. Read Paul's word and everywhere it says grace, change it for the Holy Spirit. See if it fits. May the grace of God be upon you. May the Holy Spirit of God be upon you. You know, Jesus has names. God has names. Holy Spirit doesn't have a name. I think the name of Holy Spirit is written throughout the whole word. Could be just grace. Might be mercy. Might be truth. Might be wisdom. So how do we understand other people? Here's what you're taught. Those of you in education, if you're college background, and you've gone through psychology classes, here's what you're taught. I am blue. That's my color. I have t tinges of green. Then we got some people that are sitting out there that are bright orange and bright red. 
You guys know? Yeah. That is a personality color chart. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, you guys, you guys know. So, so the, the orange people got to learn how to respect the blue people because the blue people are touchy-feely people and they're just, I want world peace everywhere. And the orange people are like, hey, let's get this job done. Let's go. We also call them type A's. You know, there's type A's. You know, the only type I've ever heard is type A. What's the other types? You got a type A or a type F. You're either awesome or fantastic. <laughs> Today's society, there is no F or D. If it's a D, you're delightful, and if you get an F, you're fantastic. We don't want to make them feel bad for failure. Oh, did I say that? Don't want to ruin the self-esteem of some poor kid. Nobody wins. Nobody wins anything today because if somebody won, that makes somebody else feel bad because they lost. I loved the comment yesterday that we heard. The guy said, if you're running a race and you're losing, make sure the guy in front of you breaks a record. Let that sink in there for a minute. If you're running a race and you're losing, make sure the guy in front of you breaks the record. Think about that for a minute. Some of you are going, I think I'm getting that now. I think there's some understanding there. If the guy in front of you is winning and you make him break the record, that means they, they got pushed too. They had to achieve their best. Right? So I, say, I saved the last one here, and I've got roughly about 15 minutes of that clock's right. Because I, I would say to you, in the logic of man, I don't have enough time on that clock to do what we're going to talk about next. Because, you see, we've been told a lie, men, forever. Guys, I'm talking to you right now. We did have a men's ministry yesterday. We've been told a lie. Why do we need to understand our spouses? And what's the lie that we've been told? You can't. You want to go to the next slide there? So here we go. Guys, here we are. Come here, honey. Seriously. Just, I always get emotional when proposals take place, okay? Would you? We didn't do this. You got to understand. This took place in the car. <laughs> Honey, would you marry me? And what was your response? I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> She never said yes. She's trying. We've been trying for 44 years. And I, all I can say is maybe that trying is better than the yes. I don't know. But how do we go from that to, men, if you ever want to know what a woman's mind feels like, imagine a browser with 2,857 tabs open 
all the time. I go home and I look at my wife's desktop and I'm going, <laughs> how do you even find anything on this thing? Because it's got icons all over the desktop. I said, you know, you can take these and just put them all here. Put all these are similar. You can categorize them and put them here. And you can go from about 500 icons on your desktop to five. Let me show you how. Right? Because my mind, I'm sorry, guys, my mind doesn't think like her mind. Thank God. Oh, and, and, well, never, no, just, I won't go there. My male mind is going to a spot it doesn't want to go to right now. That's why, that's why we're created different. All right, so I'm going to move on here. <laughs> Here's today's modern thinking. Women are meant to be loved, not to be understood. Oh, baby, baby, come here. Let me just... Right? That's our thinking today. How many of you heard that? How many of you have heard that or something similar to that? And if you're not raising your hand, you can't read the words. It says, women are meant to be loved, not to be understood. How many of you ever heard, you can never understand a woman? How many of you heard that one? Notice it's only the guys or a couple women that have their hands up. Or maybe the women, you just don't understand me. You're right. <laughs> I don't. And I can't. It's impossible. You got 2,857 files opened, and I can't figure out which one I got to go to that tells me your answer. Where do you want to go to dinner, honey? I don't know. You choose. Well, I thought you would just. You guys are all laughing because you know I'm speaking the truth. You guys have been there, right? Honey, can you clean up the toothpaste tube and, and make sure you, you squeeze it from the bottom and roll it up? Amen. And honey, when you put a roll of toilet paper on, this is mine, make sure that it goes to the outside. I speak with authority, a gentleman who managed a paper mill place, Ed, what was his last name? Ed Carlson. Manufactured the toilet paper. You with me? And he said, toilet paper is meant to roll from the top over, not under. All the designs on toilet paper look prettier when you roll them over the top, not under. So there you have it on authority of a male who managed the paper mill. Thus saith Ed Carlson. Go back there a minute. Now I like the second picture because sometimes we think this is really what's taking place. Can you guys read that? It says, I had no choice. He was about to blow our cover. 
it's a guy laying on the ground dead because they were talking about how to understand women, and the guy had it down. So instead of letting the cover be blown, she just pulls and shoots the guy. Because women have this thing. Women have this thing, you see. They want world peace, all touchy-feeling. They, they like to. I got to be real careful here. Women respond on feelings and emotions. Men respond on sight. Are you talking about sex? Yes. To those out there in Facebook land, yes. I'm talking about the three-letter word. I asked Pastor a couple weeks ago, I said, when are you going to talk about sex over the pulpit? Because, folks, relationships with husband and wives needs to come from the church, not from the schoolyard. If your kids are getting taught about sex in a schoolyard, I'm going to guarantee you they're getting taught the wrong thing. They're getting taught how not to respect the lady. They're getting taught expectations that don't exist. Can you talk about that at church? It's all through God's Word. If you don't believe me, go read the Song of Solomon sometime. Uh, that's, a, that's a love book. So today's modern thinking, I don't know how often we're told through our culture, through our media, through wherever we go, guys are told you can't, un so ladies, I'm tr not trying to justify this actions, but this is what we're told. This is what we're trained, in. this is how we are raised up to be. We are told we can never understand you. And I'm saying to you today, and men, I'm saying to you today, that has been one of the biggest lies ever presented to us, ever. And it comes from Satan. That does not come from humanistic point of view, does not come from God. That is a direct lie from Satan because he is the author of every lie. And we've been fed a lie about women. And we've mostly been fed a lie about our spouses because that's how we perceive that to be. Why? Why has he fed us that lie? Because he knows if you can understand your woman like the same relationship that Christ has with the church, that your prayers would not be hindered. If you can understand your spouse, understand your wife, your prayers are cleared out to go. If you go home and you say, I just don't feel like God's listening, are you talking to your wife? Maybe it might be because you're not trying to minister to your wife like God did to the church. Where's that in the Word? Want to hit the next slide for me? Here you go. If you don't believe me, here it is. So this is a word to us husbands. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with what? With what? Guys, just guys. With what? Understanding, Understanding who? Yeah. 
your wife. It could also be understanding your mother. It might also be understanding your sister. Or your daughter. Thank you. Husbands, if you got kids and you have a daughter, this is all about her right here too. Absolutely. Understanding. Give honor. Give what? Honor. Give what? Honor to the wife. Now, here's the part they don't like. As to the weaker vessel. I'm not weaker than you are. I gave birth, and I pushed that baby out. Let's see you do that. She's still trying. But how many of you have heard that? I've heard that. Not from her. I have never heard that from her. But I've heard marriages say that. I'm not weaker than he is, by golly. I stand stronger than him any day. Well, you may stand stronger in some areas, but you're still to respect and love. You know, it tells the husbands to love your wives and wives respect your husbands. It doesn't say it the other way around. Hello? Because when you have that respect for your husband, they show that that's the love part that comes across for us because we need respect because we're guys. We need the respect. Well, you don't respect me. Well, you don't love me. And there is the problem because we don't understand. As to the weaker vessel and his being, what? Heirs, what? Together of the grace of life. And here's the kicker line, that your prayers may not be hindered. The message says, treat as equals so your prayers don't run aground like a ship that's supposed to be out in the ocean. Instead, it's run up on shore. And in the same way, you husbands must give. Notice that it doesn't say may give or should give. It says must give. Honor to your wives. Yeah, you know that sandwich my wife made me for me today, guys? I mean, it sucks, man. It's just terrible. She doesn't even know how to spread mayonnaise. <laughs> she can't even fry an egg, you know? She doesn't know how to boil water. How in the world am I supposed to survive? And where's that conversation taking place? Water cooler with the other guys, around the dinner table when they're out there with the other guys. Guys, if you're doing that, that's sin. Let's call it what it is. That's sin. And that's breaking trust with your wife. Those conversations, when you hear them from your friends that call themselves Christians, you, gentlemen, Stand up and say, stop that now. Because that is not godly. That wasn't in the message either. 
You must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together, married. She may be weaker than you are. I like how they said it. They're trying to smooth that down a little bit. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Hello? Marry me, please. I want all of you. No, you don't. You're lusting after her flesh. Come on. If you're not asking that in the right way, you're lusting after the flesh. And the second you get that, it's done. Because you didn't do it honorably. It's not about sex. It's about a relationship. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. God, are you listening to me? God, I feel like you've left me. God, I don't know what's going on. God, do you ever answer my prayers? God, when do we hear you? God, would you just speak to me? Would you shut up and just talk to your wife? You're all laughing because you know I'm telling you the truth. And that's the problem. Guys, I don't know about you, but as prophet, priest, and king of my house, the last thing I need is my communication cut with God because I also know that failure to communicate leads to abnormality, which eventually leads to death. That's a Dr. Cole saying. So when you fail to communicate, abnormality sets in. When you fail to communicate with your wife about the things that God's doing, about the prayers that God's put in your heart, about the direction God's giving you for your life, when you fail to communicate those things to the person who's the one with you, supposed to be walking with you, and supposed to be sharing that experience with you, you're creating abnormality when you don't do that. I had a fairly successful carpentry business down in the valley. Had five guys working for me. While business was really good, I went and helped out in my daughter's kindergarten class, and I fell in love with teaching. I watched this teacher teach kids, and I went, never in my life have I seen something that precious, and I want to do that. I can teach anybody how to put a mirror up. I could teach anybody how to screw a medicine cabinet into the wall. But it takes somebody special to teach a kid. That was a life-changing event for me. I went home that day, and I looked at my wife, and I said, Honey, I'm going to shut my business down and go back to school. Because God's told me. He wants me to teach his children. You know what she did? She looked at me and she said, okay, what do you need me to do? Took a whole change in direction from what I was doing. 
Within a month, my business was shut down. I was enrolled in school. God's trying to talk to me through my phone here. Well, let's see, maybe who it is. Probably somebody telling me time's running out. I better get going. Well, I'll tell you about this call here in a minute. But uh, it changed our direction. And uh, it's been the best thing I ever did. Best thing I ever did. And uh, I had a partner that came alongside me and loved me and walked and went through that all with me. If there's strife in your marriage, guys, it's because you're not. Let me just put the blame where the blame's at. Guys, if there's strife in your marriage, it's because you're not trying to understand your wife. Let me just call it what it is. Hello? This text message I just got. It's from my son-in-law. He is working on the Love to Dare book. Guys, know what I'm talking about? Love Dare. Love Dare. Have you ever watched the movie Fireproof? That's what's going on. I'm going to ask you guys. Some of you know my daughter. I have two two kids in my family right now that their marriages are really struggling. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know if they're going to survive or not. I know it's decisions they've made. They're all raised. They all know Jesus. They've all been taught the things of God. But somehow the enemy comes in sometimes and gets in there and brings strife and division. And those choices that are made that are outside of our control. You see, when... When the husband said, I do, and I walked my daughter up to that husband and said, here she is. This is the best I've got. I am giving you one of the most precious gifts I've ever had in my life as a dad. And I'm going to give this precious gift to you. And I expect you to take care of that gift. I expect you to take care of my daughter. I expect you to treat her lovingly. I expect you to treat her with understanding. I expect you two to become one. And I expect you guys to be beautiful together in the relationship that God's putting you in. And then we as men get told, you'll never understand them. What a lie from the pit of hell. If that's how we go into a marriage thinking, why would we want to get married? Right? Am I right? 
Gentlemen, how come when you're dating her, you can't talk to her enough, and the second you say, I do, all of that stops? Yeah, am I on the guys right now a little bit? Yeah, probably so. That's because, you know what, guys, I'm just going to be a guy and say we're the ones responsible for that. When I started dating this beautiful creation over here, she and I would talk for hours. I'd be over visiting her, and I'd go home. First thing i do is when I get home is what? Hey, I'm home. How you doing, man? How you doing? Really good. Oh, man, I just, dinner was awesome. Thank you. I just appreciate you so much. And, you know, your eyes are just so blue, and I, I just adore your blonde hair. Oh, man, and that outfit you had on today. Oh, that was, you look so good in that thing. And then we say, I do, and... <laughs> I got you. <laughs> okay. There's another saying I'd say, but it talks about, you know, what Satan's plans are. Satan tries to uh, get us in bed before marriage and keep us out of bed after we're married. Something to that effect. Right? Why? Because he knows there's he knows there's power in the bedroom when two become one. All right. That was a little heavy. And I got to go back to the cartoons because they were pretty uh, demonstrative. So what's all, what am I saying all of this? What I'm saying is here is Jesus is a better Savior than we are a sinner. Jesus says to us, seek me, seek me, seek me, seek me, seek me with understanding. Try to understand my word because this is a great mystery. This is a great mystery as Christ is to the church. Husbands, if you can get hold of this thing for you and your spouse, correlate the same relationship to Christ and the church. Right? Because that's the great mystery. And he's saying, it isn't such a mystery. All I need you to do is understand. That's all I need you to do. If she says, where do you want to go for dinner? Have a place, a name in your mind. She'll tell you yes or no. <laughs> I didn't want to go there. Okay, honey, I told you where I'd like to go. Where would you like to go? I don't know. Okay, then we'll go home and we'll get out cold pizza. How's that sound? Oh, but I think La Fonda's would be great. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Has this been good? Amen. So here's the challenge, gentlemen. Here's the challenge, gentlemen. How many of us need to work on understanding? I do. It's a continuous process, guys. 
Oh, I got her all figured out. Yep, yep, yeah, right. The figuring out you got is the other part of Proverbs where it talks about it's better to be on the rooftop than sitting in the thing with a contentious woman dripping. Right? It says that too. Matter of fact, I think I read that about five times in the first seven chapters of Proverbs. Better be alone than in a house with a contentious woman. Sounds like a dripping water. Gentlemen, you wake up in the middle of the night, you hear a noise, right? You just, what was it? Notice it's the guys that wake up and hear that normally. What's that noise? What's that noise? What's that noise? God says, understand your ladies. Understand your ladies. When you come to understand and talk and share relationships, and you understand, you understand that God is saying, I am all about building relationship with you because that what's, what was stolen from you with the fall of man was your relationship with me. Going back to Adam and Eve. Could you imagine, could you imagine, and it's 12 o'clock, could you imagine... Could you imagine walking with God in the Garden of Eden? Could you imagine being that close to God that you could walk with Him? Hey, Dad, man, how you doing? Oh, doing pretty good, son. Yeah, how about you? How's your day going? You know, God, I named 50 more animals today. Gave them some unique name. I see that, son. That's pretty good, man. Good job. You got more for me to do, God? Got some more? Yeah, let me make this, this, other, this other person for you because I, I think it's not good for you to be alone because you're seeing all these animals and you're feeling like you're alone and, and it's not good that man be alone. So I'm going to create for you a most wonderful, precious gift. That comes from you to me and me to you. And I'm going to take that woman, I'm going to take her out of you. Because, see, if I make her anything, if I create a new creature, then it's not of you and it's not of me because I made you, Adam, in my image. And if I make a new creation, it won't be in my image. But man needs to have something that's created in his image, which is created in God's image, which means I need to create a woman. And that is not a whoa man. It's a woman. So I'm going to make this. And this is a gift for you, Adam, from your father. This is a gift from you. And Adam... You need to teach her the things of me that I've already spoken to you before she came into existence. Because, see, when she comes into existence and the things I share with you, she'll be there to learn because the two of you will become one. But there's things, Adam, I've spoken to you before I created her that she needs to know about. And you're the one who's got to tell her that. 
You're going to be the prophet, the priest, and the king of your home, Adam. And you're going to bring her together with understanding. And you're going to love her just as Jesus, who's already planning right now to have to go to that cross, because I know what you're going to do tomorrow. You see? From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.